You're listening to the Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. No, today we're not talking about the infamous arms deal. Rather, we're speaking about the South African Arms and Ammunition Collectors Association and as a heritage organization, how they benefit society as a whole. So in studio with me today is Carvel Webb. Carvel, welcome to the show. Well, Chad, thanks very much. And it's nice to be here in my old stamping grounds. Uh, Uh, And I, I look forward to this chat. I believe you grew up in Fairmount. Yes, uh, I spent the first 30-odd years of my life around here. So uh, walking in here today, I really felt it was a flashback to the past. (laughs) Well, welcome to the area. Well, welcome back to the area, rather. Let's talk about the the South African Arms and Ammunition Collectors Association. There's so much controversy at the moment regarding firearm licenses, people owning firearms, etc. You have a minister of police who wants to restrict ownership of firearms, both in the public domain as well as in the security industry. How does the SA Arms and Ammunition Collectors Association fall into this whole greater scheme of things? Uh, Chad, it's a very important question. I think we have three sort of acknowledged premier groups of firearm ownership apart from private ownership. It's hunting, sport shooting, and collecting. Um, but uh, many of our stakeholders don't realize what collecting firearms is all about and why we do it. And to put that into context, I'd like to take you back about uh, 300 years. Um, the patron of firearms collecting and conservation as we know it can really be traced back to Louis XIII of France. Uh, I refer to a 10-10-10 occasion, uh, which really amounts to in 1610, uh, Louis XIII, who was 10 years old, ascended the throne, and at that point in time he had 10 firearms in his own private collection. Uh, by the time he passed on, he had 200 firearms in his private collection. Uh, this is now 300 years ago. And when the Austrian ambassador asked him, why do you collect firearms? He had an explanation which has been captured by the Metropolitan Museum in France, which I'd like to quote to you because it has set the scene for firearms conservation for the next 300 years and we're, what we believe in at the moment today. What he had to say was something along the following lines. This is, of course, translated from French. Um, arms and armor have been a vital part of virtually all cultures, for thousands of years, pivotal not only in conquest and defense, but also in court pageantry and ceremonial events. Throughout time, the best armor and weapons have represented the highest artistic and technical capabilities of the society and period in which they were made, forming a unique aspect of both art history and material culture. We must collect, conserve, research, publish, and exhibit distinguished examples representing the art of the armorer, of the swordsmith and the gunmaker that show outstanding design and decoration, as well as military, sporting and technical interest. If I can just expand on that, basically we believe that firearms are uh, examples of engineering art. Um, we, we move away from this uh, hackneyed idea of um, guns kill people. Well, guns don't kill people. People kill people. Uh, the gun has nothing to do with it. Um, a gun is a, a window into society at a given point in time. Uh, it will illustrate uh, the state of the society, the state of the industry, the state of the technical capability of the people who made it, and as such, it forms uh, an irrevocable, irretrievable part of the heritage of any country, including ours. Our, our firearms history goes back many, many years. Um, and for as long as 
people have been interested in firearms, there have been people interested in conserving firearms because of what I have just mentioned. So if we fast forward 300 years and say, well, where do we come from? Um, we're probably indebted to uh, Premier at that time, Jan Smuts, uh, shortly after the Second World War, who was responsible for the creation of what is now known as the Ditsong Museum of Military History, then known as the War Museum. And he says it's important to conserve what we've been through so that future generations can learn from it. Shortly after that, in the 1950s, a group of enthusiast firearm owners who were passionate about conservation started to come together to say, well, what about firearms? This needs to be organized. Uh, and this led to the creation of the Historic Firearms Society of South Africa uh, in the 1950s. And they were instrumental in creating the other side of the picture to what you've just sketched, uh, to say uh, firearms are something to be conserved, to be treasured. Uh, they are recognized in our National Heritage Resources Act, uh, together with any other heritage object because of the role they play. Um, in 1994, um, legislation changed, and we for the first time saw recognition in our uh, own legal system, in our own acts, for uh, private collectors together with hunting and sport shooting. And private collectors were then recognized as a bona fide firearm owner who would collect firearms for conservation purposes. The um, point from there on is where Sarka comes into the picture. And Sarka was, in fact, uh, capitalized on that opportunity and was created as the first uh, Arms and Ammunition Collectors Association in 1994, making use of that provision in the Act to form an accredited association for the collection of firearms. I'm chatting to Carvel Webb from the South African Arms and Ammunition Collectors Association, and he's just cleared up a massive fallacy for me. Firearm collectors are not these people that are Rambo that want to have as many guns as possible to fight whatever war they think is pending. It's not these people that go out and want to carry a different firearm every day for a different occasion. These are people that want to conserve history, and more importantly, there's another aspect to it that hasn't been covered, and we're going to cover straight after this break, and that is the value attached to these collections. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Today I'm chatting to Carvel Webb regarding the collection of arms and ammunition and uh, some of the the important points that people don't seem to be aware of. We've discussed the heritage of it. We've discussed the history of it dating back uh, to Louis Thirteenth. Was Louis Thirteenth? Yes. And uh, now I want to discuss something that a lot of people are unaware of, and that's the investment value. We've seen how art and vehicles have increased exponentially in value and how people now invest in that. It, can the same be said for firearms? Yes, so very definitely. In fact, firearms have got the most sustained value of any asset class for the past 200 years. Um, but value as we measure it has actually 11 attributes which are recognized in our legislation. And our legislation is actually one of the best worded in the world. Uh, it is actually quite ironic that the European Union, which has just revised their directive for the collection of firearms, landed up with a choice of poetry which is very similar to our own act. And I'll quote you what this value is all about. It says... This is now an extract of our own Firearms Control Act. A firearm which may be possessed in a private collection is a firearm approved for collection by an accredited collector's association, such as soccer, based upon such historical, heritage, technological, scientific, educational, cultural, commemorative, investment, 
rarity, thematic, or artistic value. So we've got a whole host of values. So you'll find that some people will collect it for heritage reasons, other technological reasons, other will have an investment component thrown in, and sometimes it's a mix of all of that. But I think if you want to talk values, they, they are quite astounding. Um, <clears throat> a collectible firearm will maybe start at about a 1,000 rand. Um, if it's an example which somebody just wants to add to a, uh, a military collection, for example, up to 45 million rand. Uh, so million? 45 million rand uh, is the most paid for a pair of uh, pistols. Um, and the type of thing which, uh, which, which, which we see, which really gets the international community excited, is, for example, George Washington's percussion pistols that he carried. Uh, those sold for $2 million. So what are we talking about? 28 million rand. Um, there are other examples. The first Luger, which was used in trials uh, in the United States as in competition to the Colt, that went for a million dollars. Regularly here in South Africa, we see high-end examples of uh, exotic uh, shotguns and uh, rifles, particularly of English and Italian make, will easily change hands in the hundred to 200,000 rand mark. But those are really what we would call at the high end. Uh, if we look at what most of our members focus on in terms of preservation, sometimes you want to preserve something which may not have a necessarily very high monetary value, but has got huge value in terms of the attributes of the Heritage Resources Act, which is attached to an event or a person uh, or a situation uh, and illustrates and complements the history that goes with that. All, almost all our members will tell you that each and every one of their firearms has a story attached. Uh, one of our guys came back with a Browning High Power, which um, when you look at it, uh, many of your listeners will know what a Browning High Power is, but this one came from Angola. What made it special? Well, it was presented by Jonas Savimbi to one of the members of the medical corps in appreciation for treating both foe and allied alike. And uh, he, he took his own personal browning out of his own personal browning collection, presented it to this guy and said, that's my appreciation for what you've done. So that is the sort of story which you will find goes with firearms, which makes them so collecting. And that brings us maybe to where we are this um, and the weekend after next, on the 3rd and 4th of August, um, we have the annual Saka Arms Fair. Now, you will realize that even though most of the firearms are heritage and historic items, they still um, a security and safety issue. So most private collectors will not exhibit uh, their firearms to all and sundry, except under very controlled circumstances. So the Arms Fair represents an opportunity for private collectors to bring out their treasures and to share them with the public and to share the stories that go with them, and to tell people why they collect them, why they're there, what they represent, and what niche they fill in both South African and international history. And we have something like about 30-odd uh, exhibits, uh, full exhibits, of members who will be exhibiting various types and sizes of their firearms, and other artifacts I must mention. We also collect swords, collect militaria, and everything else that's related to that. Together with that, we will have about 70-odd uh, tables of swap-and-trade traders in militaria. Obviously, we don't trade live firearms at the, uh, at, at, at the arms fair, but all the militaria, books, um, videos, uh, instruments, everything that 
uh, edge weapons, those are not restricted. So uh, those will all be on offer. It's a family day. Um, there will be lots to see. Uh, there will be lots of dioramas, lots of presentations, uh, lots of illustrations of uh, period uniforms and period equipment. The theme this year uh, is weapons and wheels, and all of the uh, presentations will focus on around that. And we have presentation on Saturday, which goes around from the future to the past. What do we need to, from the past to the future rather, what do we need to gather from the past to illustrate the future and to build on that? And one of the highlights is the classic arms auction, which takes place at each arms fair. Viewing is in the morning and the auction itself takes place in the afternoon. And there are a couple of hundred examples of firearms, which actually will be then auctioned off. Um, on that occasion, and that's the premier opportunity for collectors to to add to their collections uh, in terms of scarce items that come up. And that is where we see this whole range of values, which I'm, I'm, I'm looking at. If I look at the previous one, we saw firearms changing hands from 750 rand up to, I think, 300,000 rand. So that illustrates, I think, maybe the point that you're asking is what are we about? Well, as a proud military veteran, I'm definitely going to be there. It's on the 3rd and the 4th of August. Could you give us contact particulars, websites, that type of thing, where perhaps our listeners can go find out more about not just your association but the upcoming events? Yes. Um, Sarka has a website. Sarka is www.sarka.com. Um, and uh, if you want to send an email, you can send it to sarka at iafrica.com. If you want to phone, it's uh, Johannesburg number 646 um, And uh, if you phone at that, we can normally put any inquiry in contact with a person who can answer the question. Um, and uh, we obviously have lots of members who are passionate about what they have and what they own and what they do, and they'll be prepared to answer anybody in anything. The Arms and Ammunition Fair Conference together with auction takes place on the 3rd and 4th of August at the Military War Museum uh, in Saxonwold, just behind the Johannesburg Zoo. What are the hours? Uh, from 9 to 4 on the Saturday and from 9 to 2 on the Sunday. I think if you have an interest, you should be there. I'm most definitely going to be there. And I'll be uploading all the details of the um, Collectors Association on our page. You can go to Confidential Brief Radio Show. I'll be uploading that later in the day. And if you feel that somebody else may have found uh, today's interview interesting, they may be interested in military arms, um, that type of thing, the podcast will be uploaded to the High FM website tomorrow. Carvel, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Chad. It was a pleasure. And thanks for the opportunity to chat to everybody.